Black Doctors Podcast, Season 6. Hello, it's Steven, your host. Welcome back to another week, another episode of the Black Doctors Podcast. Hopefully you're enjoying this new season, this new format. If you joined us last week, you heard us talk about the transition from medical school to residency. We talked about the evaluation system and things to consider as you continue your training. We talked about moving, studying tips, and we wrapped up with a conversation on budgeting with Dr. Brittany Halford. Our panel included co-host Dr. Nate Jones, Dr. Keanu Ward, and Dr. Italo Brown. This week, we're going to continue the conversation with Italo, and Nate joins us. We're going to be talking about transitions to fellowship. We're going to talk about that financial transition as you become an attending and start to make more money, um, the changes in your lifestyle that occurs as well. If you want to be a part of the conversation, visit the website, theblackdotterspodcast.com, hit the pass the mic icon, and you can answer the prompt to a question. We're focusing on mental health next month, so you can go and and add your voice. You can leave a, a quick voice note, which we can include right into an episode. So if you ever wanted to be on a podcast, this is your chance. It's super easy to do so. We'll take a couple seconds. Also, super happy to announce that we hit number 66 on the iTunes podcast charts for healthcare and medicine related podcasts. We're the only podcast really doing what we're doing right now, which is building a sense of community among black physicians, among underrepresented minorities in medicine. To that end, if you have not yet left a rating or review of the podcast, please do so as it does help the show continue to grow. A recent review we received is great podcast. Look forward to new episodes every week. As a pre-medical student, I enjoy hearing the medical students, residents, and attendings journey to where they are and their plans for the future. So thank you, Growth Dividends, for that fantastic five-star review. And now a word from our sponsor before we jump into today's episode and continue the conversation we started last week. This podcast is sponsored by Picmonic. In 2011, two medical students came up with the ingenious idea to combine medical education with unforgettable characters and ridiculously memorable stories. Featuring over 35,000 high-yield facts and graphics, Picmonic has helped over 600,000 students improve exam scores and perform better clinically. Picmonic has resources for pre-med and medical students, as well as other healthcare professionals. Check out the show notes for a link to their website. Mention the podcast when you subscribe. With Picmonic, you can study less, but remember more. We're going to transition. We're going to talk briefly. Um, I know Talo has to, to leave, but we're going to talk about transitions from the end of residency, fellowship, and then attending life. Now, Italo went to fellowship in social emergency medicine out in California. So can you talk um, briefly about what it was like to transition from residency to fellowship? Uh, similar things from when I transitioned from medical school to <clears throat> residency uh, that came come to mind are you're still trying to figure out like is this is this something that I'm going to finance <laughs> whether or not through like some love offerings or through money that I've earned money that I've created because of maybe moonlighting or uh, some type of extra savings that you've created like how are you going to finance this move that question comes up. And the good thing about jobs is, <clears throat> depending on the setting, you can get a relocation package, hmm. which is not something that you can always get as a uh, medical student going into residency. So negotiating your contract is important. Negotiating with programs, being like, hey, yo, I need help. I can't just move across country. So that was one thing. Um, I think that some unique parts are 
realizing that this is going to be your first time where you're operating with the capacity of an attending. So there's a, a cognitive change that has to occur where before as a resident, you weren't really liable if something went wrong. You know, like, you know, I can always just be like, hey, it's the attendant. But as a fellow, <clears throat> it'd be like, I mean, you could be the reason why it went wrong, but you're not going to be liable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas a fellow, you actually start to assume some liability. And there's a lot of trust being placed on you. Like, all right, so this is you. At my shop, um, all of our fellows act as attendees. Like, we're not on shift with someone hovering over us. It's literally you and residents. And so you start signing charts. And I had to really get used to the idea of like, all right, this is, there is no other person that I'm going to ask questions to unless I'm, you know, talking to a colleague. The buck stops with me and the nurses are going to come to me and the residents are going to come to me. So the, uh, the, the imposter syndrome will flare up and you have to find a way to quiet that very quickly. And I think the last part I'll add for the transition from like residency to fellowship is there is a financial change. Your pockets change. <laughs> you get a little bit more money, but that can't go to your head. You can't let the fact that now you can say, all right, I got this whole round in the next round. But that's where I'm about to party with you. <laughs> I'm just saying you you move to that point where as a resident, you were like, hey, I can only afford my drink. <laughs> but when you're a fellow, you're like, look, hey, on a happy hour, I'll do a couple rounds. <laughs> do a couple rounds. But that, that'll go to your head so quickly. So realize that you are still broke. Realize that you still are in a, a building phase. Uh, don't let this money make you yep. new. But Dr. Brown, I know you got to run. Uh, thank you for joining us. We're definitely um, happy to have you back and happy to have you anytime on the podcast. Dude, I, I'm happy to be here. And obviously it goes without saying, uh, it's an honor to be in your presence, Kiana. You, you kill it. Thank you. <laughs> um, Italo had to run. We are now joined by Dr. <laughs> Dave I was like, no cursing, no uh <laughs> Be, keep it cute, very formal. I do my formal, like, my, my code-switching voice. Works. I know, it is, hey, it's whatever. <laughs> like, hello, I'm Dr. Jones. Like, those type of things. <laughs> <laughs> hello. Nate is a pediatric emergency medicine physician practicing in Philadelphia, a graduate of Robert Wood Johnson School of Medicine. He did residency at the University of Chicago. That's where our paths first crossed. He actually, fun fact, introduced me to my now wife, forever in your debt. And now he's practicing, uh, or he completed a PEDS fellowship, a Pediatric Emergency Medicine Fellowship at Children's National, and currently practices in Philadelphia. So, Nate, welcome to the show. Thank um, you, thank you. A lot of this new format, I do have to attribute to Nate, because he said the podcast was a little boring. And I never said it was boring. That's a lot. <laughs> wow, you don't call me out like Need, that's not true. Needed to spice things up, I think. <laughs> that was a lie. No, I never said it was boring. I just said there was, I mean, you could, there's room for growth. There's always room for growth. You never always, want what you produce to be growth. the only the only, the only, only version. Keep it keep it fresh. Keep it going. Well, <laughs> on, on the topic of growth. Mm -hmm. there, oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> June, June, we're doing transitions. So we talked uh, for a little bit about transitioning from uh, medical school to residency. And Italo talked about transitioning into fellowship. We're going to talk about Transitioning it into attending life. So, Kiana, you became an attending in 2018? 18, yeah. And Nate, 2022? 20, Five minutes ago, yep. 
Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So this is <laughs> fantastic. Uh, some really good perspectives, starting with Nate, since you just joined us uh, <clears throat> late. But what was the biggest shock to you transitioning from your fellowship to becoming an attending? You know, what's funny is that like my fellowship was awesome in a sense that you got a lot of autonomy early, really early on in your training. Um, and that made it easier to have that little transition from I'm a trainee to now I'm the attending. The, the hard part, I think, is the balance of everything else. Because so much of your life has been focused up to that point to preparing to be where you are and where you now are. And then in doing so, you could easily um, have a little bit of a balance with work life. Um, you want to like take care of all your patients as the best you can, obviously. You want to, you know, if you're doing academic stuff, make sure you're showing up for that. Um, but you also like your your life is a little different. It's not as tied to all that things. Um, you have time now to do hang out with your friends, loved ones. You got, hopefully got money to do those things as well. And all those things become a little bit of, of a different balance. And so you have to re, re, reposition your focus. Kiana, as you, you transitioned <coughs> from uh, residency at SUNY Downstate, and you actually stayed on to be an attending. So what was that like for you? I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I didn't have to worry about learning a new system. I knew the system already. I knew everybody there. So in that aspect, I felt at home. It was just realizing that the buck kind of stopped with me, that you had residents, you had, you know, medical students that were then looking to you, patients that are looking to you for guidance. And I can't really turn to the attending and say, hey, well, what do you want to do? It was it was that it came to me. So, you know, initially there was some some shock associated with that. But you kind of get into your own little groove, your own little pattern. I always thought that it was very cool walking into the OR. Well, Doctor World, what do you what do you want on your tray? What should be on your card? Well, actually, <laughs> you know, you I go. want this. I, I want I want the zero viral <laughs> on the CTS. <laughs> oh, I want it like that. <laughs> um, so I, I thought that that was pretty cool. But um, you know, I, I I think it was a, an amazing decision that I made to kind of stay on and kind of hone in on a lot of those skills. Um, because when you start out as an attendant, you you know, there's still things that you know, you're you're a little you're a little shy about your mm-hmm. you may not be as confident with. So I think in staying in the home institution it kinda of helped home in on those things. How was that first check? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I think the first check is I if it's so funny, I didn't really feel it because um I I live a very expensive life. No, I'm kidding. Um I didn't <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it was funny because I mean, I started in you know, obviously, um, like some a lot of people in the last couple of years in the middle of the pandemic, and so, um, and for pediatrics, a lot of our um, like extra moonlighting opportunities and things had been like taken away. So, as a fellow, I was I was sh- definitely struggling my last year of fellowship, but it feels good, it feels like you can like actually like, not have to worry about a few things. Well, besides paying your bills, but I mean, other than that, like it feels it feels real good. <laughs> Kiana? You know, it, you know, to me, this is the, you know, this is what I was waiting for. Uh, you know, <laughs> Honestly. It feels, you know, I, you know, I feel like I've been working up into this moment. So not just, you know, being a great attendee, but also making the type of money that I always envision myself making. It's very important. I started before I made any big purchases. I met with a financial advisor yes. first. Mm. To make sure I had, you know, my life insurance, disability, all those things set up first, 401k, making sure I made all, you know, proper contributions. 
And then I'll blow all of that out of control. Yes. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> I've yet to be able to do that, but yes, I will try. But you, right. you know, to me, I think the most important thing was I. I think you know, with with being a physician and, and making that type of money, it allowed for me. It allowed more freedom mm. um, to be able to, you know, have someone clean the house so I don't have to do it, or you know, to to do the laundry. So it, you know, my time is precious. I think you know, it's really important to spend time with your family and friends. So with having a little bit more money in the bank account, you're able to do those things. <laughs> yeah. How, how did you find your financial advisor? Um, actually, uh, Matt Aaron, he, he's uh, had a few individuals from Howard. <laughs> Yeah, we got to charge him. Out to yeah, me. We all do. Right, I mean, we charge you like, for that. Uh, <laughs> shout out. But continue. We're like, all right, now to the ad roll. <laughs> <We're talking laughs> I don't know how he found me, but he, he reached out to me, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Listen, Matt Aaron has a market cornered with black physicians. This man <laughs> is. <laughs> so, what was that? Uh, oh, uh, because I, I, need, I need a financial advisor. So, what was that conversation like? You just like had a phone call or something? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, because he's based out of DC. So it was basically kind of went over, you know, my paycheck, what my student loans look like and what reasonably I wanted to do over the next five years. Like were, were there any things that were important to me, whether it was paying off my student loans or buying a house or, you know, doing a trip or getting like any of those things, he, he made sure that that was kind of at the forefront. So I didn't lose sight of that with just trying to save money and, and kind of max out my 401k. Yeah, I feel like sometimes yeah. we're not taught how to be financially responsible um, yeah. at all. So, like, because I feel like when you are a medical student, a college student, or any obviously any level of education, you may not have the funds or know what it's like to have a surplus of funds sometimes, and so you operate a lot under uh, scarcity. The idea that like, if I'm going to eat today. Hey there, I hope you're enjoying listening to the show. I want to take a minute to talk about TrueLearn and thank them for sponsoring the Black Doctors Podcast. TrueLearn is a medical exam preparation company that helps you outperform on your boards. If you are a medical student or resident physician, you should definitely check out their products. If you sign up, please use the code BDPODCAST and you'll get a discount. They have resources for both DO students as well as MD students and even physician assistants. When it comes to residency licensure, they offer question banks for over eight different specialties. TrueLearn gives analytics that give you insight into your study habits, your question responses, and tracks you along with your peers. Students and residents average 20% improvements after completing a TrueLearn smart bank. Check them out at truelearn.com. And again, remember to use the code DDPODCAST to receive your special discount. Now back to the show. So you operate a lot under uh scarcity the idea that like if i'm gonna eat today <laughs> and they ain't got no yeah. free lunch lunch lectures <laughs> then i'm gonna have to not go out on tuesday or um and stuff like that like it, but then when you when you have the surplus of money you just start like oh i can do anything i want and it's like actually you really yeah. shouldn't you really should probably be more careful so yeah my my experience was uh quite different um those of you, I know, know you had a whole whole ass of condo. Yeah, I joined the Navy, so my attending check isn't quite what uh, most anesthesiologist check is. I think I was like the lowest paid anesthesiologist in the country for a little while. 
Um, oh, when I first joined the Navy, I think I was making like 50 grand a year. Um, oh, which is actually wow. less than I made in residency. So I've had this nice little slow transition to making more money. Look forward to making uh, checks. I do too. I do too. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Certain uh, dinners can be paid we'll, for we'll by. move on to, to other <laughs> more <pleasant> topics. <laughs> <laughs> but you also, you talked about this too in one of your episodes, but you've also had money during residency too, for, which, which a lot of residents did not have. So you, mm-hmm. you've learned how to manage your finances a little bit earlier, I think, than some people had to. So I, I did. I did get some bonus money. And as you you know, I'm, I'm quite frugal. So I made ends meet. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. When, when it comes to um, your lifestyle choices, what was some of the bigger changes from becoming a resident or fellow to now you're an attending? What do you mean by, you mean by lifestyle choices? <laughs> uh, um, no, no strip clubs. No, I, I, I feel like uh, my, life, my lifestyle is all, but you know what's funny is I feel like I've always been key about maintaining my lifestyle. That like I am that typical happy hour brunch um, travel when I can type of person. And if I could do it, I could do it more than I could before. But I'm I'm very key of like maintaining that because that's partly how I stay grounded and how I stay focused. For me, wait, it it it's all in freeing up my time. Okay, so you know, like I said, having somebody clean up the house. They, they, Larry and I aren't going to do it. So <laughs> we need someone to clean the house. Okay. We need someone to do the lawn. We need to do, you know, just being able to have those luxuries so that I can spend time with my family, spend it with my friends. So yeah. Being able to travel and whatnot. I think that's really important because you think about it, we spent a lot of our lives studying, not being able to do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times, you know, especially during medical school, like I don't remember traveling all that much or having the luxury to do that. So now, just being able to travel. You go to you go to Vegas. What happens oh, in Vegas no. stays in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> what happens oh, in really? Vegas stays in Vegas, Stephen. <laughs> uh, moving, oh, man. Uh, moving on. Um, <laughs> moving forward. Um, <laughs> but yeah, being able like we try to take trips every few months. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's really important. As uh, attending physician, so Kiana, you started off in academics, and Nate, you still practice in academics. So, how did you learn or navigate becoming an educator, and really, you know, having that huge responsibility of teaching residents, medical students? Nate, I know you had a little bit of that in fellowship, but Kiana, how did you transition into that role? I think part of it was innate. Um, you know, I have a, a large family that's full of educators, so I think it was probably a reason. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for the third and final part of this conversation. And now it's time for Sign Out with Dr. Brittany Halford, host of the More Joy, More Wealth YouTube channel. Dr. Halford, thank you for joining us once again to discuss finances. Again, it's something that we so often struggle with as medical students, residents, and physicians I love the content and information you're putting out. Recently, you started to do a lot of Instagram lives. You've had some incredible guests and you've really been able to dig deep and have some meaningful conversation. Recently, you spoke with Unearthed Amber. I think she's a family nurse practitioner. And the topic was um, kind of marriage and finances. And would you mind, you know, giving a couple of those highlights or things that you, you all discussed on that Instagram live? Yes. Thank you for having me again. Um, so one of the topics that we discussed, and Stephen, you can give your two tips 
you from (laughs) a man's perspective was who manages the finance, the finances in the marriage and in the household. And I think this is still a debatable topic because many women now are equal earners in the household, specifically for black families. If not more. Um, Yeah. And we sometimes still um, really defer or relegate that task to, to our spouse, our husband, to manage the finances because historically that's how it's been done. So she and I had this conversation about really allowing that to be a choice. And so for her and her marriage, she says that when she comes home, she doesn't even want to think about the money, right? She knows how to manage her own money because she's a nurse practitioner and she's also has her business as an influencer. So she understands how to manage the money. She had the education as a child, but she has deferred that responsibility to her husband because she chooses to. Hmm. And I think that's that's perfectly fine as long as it's a conversation between husband and wife and the wife is like, okay, this is something that I give to you instead of feeling disempowered that I can't assist. I can't help you to manage the finances or I can't wear that leadership role in our relationship because I don't have the understanding. Um, which she has the understanding. She's just like, this is not something that I enjoy doing. So I'm going to focus on joy and I'm going to let you take over, Uh, (laughs) which I think is, is fantastic. As long as you know that you're doing it because you want to serve yourself instead of, you know, doing it because you feel like you don't have the competence and you don't have confidence. And then, and, in my household, you know, we, we do it jointly. You know, I get down into the nitty gritty cause I like this stuff, <laughs> but we still make decisions jointly. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I, I mean, now that I'm married all of, I think three months, uh, we've talked about finances, but you know, we're both pretty good savers and we both have the things that we like to do. So mostly we save and, um, you know, for big purchases, we'll discuss with each other, but for smaller purchases, we, you know, we just do whatever, um, you know, makes us happy. And I think as we move forward towards more retirement spending or or savings, rather, we'll get on the same page in that regard. But otherwise, um, you know, we we kind of run a lot of stuff separately and then come together for the the big stuff. Yeah. And I think each person has, like each family, each unit has their own way of doing it. One of the things that she and I discussed, because there was someone in the audience that says, said that she makes a lot more than her husband, but they still split it up 50-50. And, you know, if there's any um, large uh, disparity in income, then that 50-50 split can feel more burdensome Mm -hmm. to the partner who does not earn as much. And, um, you know, so we addressed that for that particular And one of the things or um, audience member and one of the things that Amber mentioned is that, you know, oftentimes we can't quantify a person's contribution, like monetary contribution to the relationship because a relationship is more than just an income and a relationship 
we do so much more. Like we feed into each other. There are household responsibilities. When you add kids to the mix, oh Lord Jesus, (laughs) (laughs) there's so much more to do. (laughs) And, you know, that person may not be the highest part earning partner, but the, their value to the family unit is maybe more valuable if you think about it from like, okay, well, someone's paying for childcare. How much would that be for us? How much would it be for someone to, for us to hire a cleaner? How much would it be for us to hire a cook? How much would it be for us to get groceries delivered? Like all of these tasks that one person may do within the family unit, like that value is often not quantified, but more value, valuable sometimes than just going to work and earning an income and bringing home the paycheck. There is also this book that I was reading, um, and we talked a little bit about this before the show. This is not part of the conversation, but something that I'm learning. Um, it's called The Whiteness of Wealth and just mm. how taxation really uh, changes the the take-home pay and our ability to build wealth, particularly as Black families, because the Black familial unit usually there is more parity in income. And when that happens, then we are being taxed at a higher income bracket. We know that there's wow. no income bracket. And so we have less take home pay. And so you think about, you know, just that dynamic in a marriage as well as, is okay, we have this, but now how do we reduce our taxable income? How do we start to have conversations about tax planning as well? Um, which there's, it, it, I mean, the book is just phenomenal and, and I'm listening to it again just because there's so much information there that gotcha. I think could be very help, helpful. Yeah, I'll have to add that to the reading list or listening list since I, I used Audible on the on the road. Now, before we were, we started recording, Brittany, you taught me a new word. I hadn't, hadn't heard this before, <laughs> imputed income. Yes. Imputed income. So I actually learned this this word from the book. And it, it is that income that we can't often quantify, like the income that you use for services, right? And so the wealthy may um, pay for certain services within uh, their family or not, maybe because they have one spouse who's working and one spouse who's a take-home spouse or, or a stay-at-home spouse, excuse me, one spouse who's a stay-at-home spouse. And so that stay-at-home spouse is doing all of these things, uh, performing all of these tasks, this service to the family. And that imputed income is not included in the taxable income. Mm. And so that because of that, the the way that at least based upon this book, when you do married filing jointly and you have one spouse, who stays at home or earns, you know, um, a significant amount less, so like 80% less than the the high earning spouse, then they're able to split their income across two parties versus having two people who earn similar amounts, then they're going to pay more on taxes. But having that stay-at-home spouse or having that spouse who is not contributing like an earned income, they're still 
contributing income to the family as this imputed income because they're able to perform childcare, because they're able to go to the grocery store, because they're able to manage the family and really support that person who's working, opposed to both families who's work, both partners who's working, then when they come home, they still got to figure it out. Like, who? what are we eating for food? Maybe we don't have, you know, organic meals or we're purchasing out. And so, therefore, we're paying more money. Maybe we can't afford to pay a, a service cleaner for for the home. Or maybe we do have to pay for someone to come into the home because we're both working. And so that money is not staying within the f- family unit. It's going externally. And also thinking about your energy, you know, so maybe because you're tired, because you're doing all of those additional services that you cannot work more or you cannot have your side gig or you're unable to perform at that highest level that you want by staying late because somebody else is taking care of everything. So that was very, for me, a um, very enlightening some component of taxation and and earning and like just how familial dynamics really play into our ability to build generational wealth. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Brittany Hoffer, thank you so much for joining us once again on the Black Doctors podcast to share all the incredible things that you've learned about finances. If you want to learn more, visit the More Joy, More Wealth YouTube channel. She has a ton of great videos breaking down concepts very simply, just like this. And she's also on Instagram. Brittany Halford is her handle, B-R-I-T-T-N-E-H-A-L-F-O-R-D. And she helps early career women uncertain about their finances, joyfully manage money with confidence and competence. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. The Black Doctors Podcast is a volunteer passion project that is building a community and inspiring current and future Black physicians and healthcare workers. If you enjoy listening, please tell a friend about the show and share a link on social media. We are a small team and can use your help. You can find us online at theblackdoctorspodcast.com or visit us on Instagram. Tune in next week for another episode of the Black Doctors Podcast because representation matters. Original music and audio editing by Dr. Stephen Bradley. Special thanks to creative director, Dr. Nate Jones. And to our panelists and contributors, Dr. Italo Brown, Dr. Kayana Ward, and Dr. Brittany Halford.